all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Body of Christ Real Talk. All right. Welcome, welcome, welcome once again. Hello, everybody. Body of Christ Real Talk. I want to tell you another story that uh happened to me yesterday. It was very touching another story. I know you guys say you all you often have have a story to talk about. Yeah, I do because I like to let you guys know what goes on through my work day and stuff like that. I do work at a clinic. So, obviously I'm around a lot of uh not only sick folk, but a lot of children and stuff like that, you know. So, I work in the clinic area, a security in the clinic area. Well, anyway, uh this young lady and her son came in. And I like to talk to the little children because I love little children. I like talking to them and little babies and kids and things like that. You know, I like to conversate with them or just look at them and laugh at them or just watch them with their funny faces and stuff like that because I get a kick out of that. You know, the facial expressions that kids uh, kids make, especially little babies and infants and their innocence. When they just stare at you with their stone face Tim Duncan type of look. <laughs> what the ones don't know who Tim Duncan is? He played for the San Antonio Spurs, and he's known for his plain, nonchalant, dry look. Even though he threw down on the court. Well, anyway, sometimes a baby have that 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 type of Tim Duncan look, <laughs> or you know, or you know, or that even a box of the Terrence Crawford type of look. Just that plain, based, you know, spaced out look. You know. I don't care type of look. Well, anyway, some babies look like that, and I just laugh. I just bust up laughing, you know, and at kids. And some of them had a beautiful smile. They just laugh when they try to talk, and I laugh at that. I just love kids. I have a passion for children. I have a passion for my seniors, the elderly. I have those are two strong passions I have for seniors and children and seniors and, uh, you know, stuff like that. I have a passion for that. Well, anyway. I was sitting there listening, looking at my monitor because I have a monitor that I do when I look at the different sceneries at the job, you know. And uh, this uh, young lady came in with her kid. Maybe he was about what, what, six years old, maybe seven, maybe older, I don't know. But anyway, while he was coming in, he didn't even get through the door good, you know. Before he started talking to me, having a conversation with me, he had a little puppet, a little dial in his hand. I didn't know what the dial was, but he came to me and he was, I didn't understand what he was saying, but he was saying, look what I got and, you know, stuff like this. I'm not going to make, because I don't remember word for word what he was saying, but he was trying to uh, uh, introduce me to his little dial. It was more like a stuffed dial, you know, 
uh, something like you you can make at home, you know, had the type of scarecrow look. But I didn't know what the Dow was. And he kept talking about, he said, he was giving me the history of that Dow. Then I caught on who that Dow was. You remember uh, Friday the 13th, Jason, the, the killer, <laughs> Jason, on Friday the 13th. And uh, that's who that Dow was. You know, his face had the, the mask on like Jason and stuff like that. But this young little boy had this uh, dial in his hand. And the dial had a, like a sound system on it where he uh, kind of uh, on his of the shoe of the dial, you could push a button and the dial would start. And the dial would make that. Remember the famous sound, if you guys grew up Friday the 13th, which that was, I forgot when it come. Was that the early 80s or late 70s? But it's an old movie. <laughs> Friday the 13th, an old horror movie. Not Friday the 13th. Was that Friday the 13th? No, no yeah, Friday the Whatever uh, Jason was in. Was it Jason? Yeah, I think that was Jason. Michael Myers is Halloween. But Jason, yeah, that was Jason. And you remember the, the original Friday the 13th. The first Friday the 13th. The soundtrack. It was very creepy. You know, I remember going to the theaters to see that movie, you know, uh, years ago. And uh, I still remember that sound. If you remember the Friday the 13th, you remember that movie. And you know what you guys know what I'm talking about. If you remember, leave a comment if you do. I know you're not, but because you don't leave comments for nothing. But if you do, leave a comment. <laughs> I'm just being for real, you don't. Well, anyway, I remember that. That's 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 uh that uh that's how I found out and knew that that was that down was a replica of Jason, the killer, you know, that wind up in later. Uh, I don't know how many Friday the 13th they had after that. I just stopped going and looking. I think I went about seeing about three of them. The the last Friday the 13th that I went to the theaters to see was a Friday the 13th in 3D. I think that was what about the third one. And that was the first time I went. I seen 3D. I heard of 3D, but that was the first time that I seen a 3D movie. And it freaked me out. You know, I never seen nothing like that. It seemed like, man, everything was coming in your face and everything. And it was weird and freaky and stuff like that, man. I probably was hiding. I believe I was high, smoking marijuana there. So that made it worse. <laughs> it was freaking me out, man. Well, anyway, uh, that's what that dial was, a stuffed Jason. And he was giving me the history on that and everything like that. He was so happy. I mean, he had another little blue dial stuffed out as well. Uh, it reminded me of Gumby. I'm, 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 I'm bringing up some days a lot of you probably don't remember, but Gumby was another little uh, stuffed animal used to came up, came up back in the, in the early 70s and stuff like that. You know, well anyway, but that wasn't Gumby. I don't know who it was. He said the name, but I don't remember, but I remember Jason just from the sound. And he was explaining the history of Jason. And I'm enjoying the conversation with this young man because he was a gentleman too, about six years old, you know, white little boy, Caucasian. And uh, I know that'll make a difference, but I'm just, I just put that out there, you know, and I know that'll make a difference, but he was a nice young man, you know, 
very polite and he was talking to me. I think his mother felt kind of embarrassed because, you know, he probably do that a lot. But some reason he came over there by me and wanted to carry a conversation with me and everything. And I, and I do that when kids are friendly and stuff like that. And whatever, I carry a conversation back with them. And I just show my love and interest in what they say, even though a lot of times I might not know what they're saying. But I just listen to them. And I just laugh with them, you know. And he was talking and talking and giving me the history of Jason. You probably know all the movies and stuff, too, of Friday the 13th with Jason. Well, anyway, before he left, he said something that really got me. He said, yeah, Jason is my favorite serial killer. And I looked at him and I said, oh, really? I didn't get no more into that. But when he left, that stuck with me. That stuck with me. He said, Jason was his favorite serial killer. Now, let me tell you why I'm telling you this, because uh, you, that right there, and he's innocent, naive, because he's a child, and he's innocent. Jason is his favorite serial killer. See, uh, not Superman, not Batman, you know, and uh, Marvel characters and nothing like that. And I'm not saying he don't like those, but he had the dial of Jason. You see, like, he's almost obsessed with that Jason dial over the other dial. And Jason, out of his own mouth, he said, was his favorite uh, serial killer. And that touched my heart. Why? Because they show the blindness of a child that's watching a lot of killing and a lot of murders and stuff like that and study being afraid of them and study looking at it as evil, he worshipped it. He worshipped it like it was a piece of candy. This character, this evil character, Jason. Through all, now all of us that grew up watching Friday the 13th and Freddy Krueger, Nightmare on Elm Street and all this stuff, you know, we all guilty of that. You know, I enjoyed those shows. They made me laugh and they made me scared at the same time. And uh, we sometimes, not so much worship, but sometimes we get a kick or we like a character that's evil. You see what I'm saying? A lot of us are guilty of that. I remember, you know, I had a, you know, I got a kick out of watching Freddy Krueger, even how he killed people back in the day of Freddy Krueger. I wasn't into Michael Myers at Halloween or oh, in so much Jason. I just thought they moved like zombies and they were, they were slow. But Freddy Krueger had a certain walk and a certain, slant, uh, uh, certain slang about himself that I liked Freddy Krueger. He was evil and sneaky, but he always had those uh, quick-witted, come back at you and everything. He was quick wood in a certain sands and stuff like that. Uh, like Clint Eastwood used to say, yeah, make my day. Freddy Krueger always had a little comeback or a certain sand that he says in his movies before he wipes somebody out in a dream. or He'll play with you like a cat play with a mice sometimes. He'll play with you before he kill you and take you out. Even though I knew Freddy Krueger was evil, I admired him. I admired him but was scared of him at the same time. I admired him to the point I ignored that this was an evil character. I ignored that this was a demonic character. I was caught up and infatuated with 
his style, his character and stuff like that. So when that little young man, that beautiful little young man was talking about Jason, I'm sure he looked at it the same way. I could not judge him, you know, at that time because I remember I grew up fascinated by certain characters that was evil more than good characters because those are the movies that we were surrounded with. That was a lot of the movies that we grew up watching and theaters and shows, even though television, you know, the Dracula movies, uh, we had a show called Feature Creatures, the Wolfman movies and stuff like that. We grew up, I grew up watching that, me and my family in the neighborhood. We knew those movies. We knew good characters, two superheroes, but I'm just, I'm just talking about the, the, uh, the, the creepy ones that we grew up with. The, uh, the Wolfman with Lon Chaney and the, uh, the, uh, the man, the original Frankenstein with Boris Karloff, or we remember the, the so-called traditional Dracula, Bella Lugosi. A lot of time, a lot of you guys probably never heard of those people, but those are original characters that played the Frankenstein, the Draculas, and whatever like that. Lon Chaney Jr., the, the son of Lon Chaney Senior, that played the Phantom of the Opera back in the silent movies, played the Wolfman. Franklin, uh, Bella, uh, Boris Karloff character, his main character, even today, he's known as Frankenstein. Lon Chaney, even though he played in many movies, besides that, he's known as the Wolfman. Bella Lugosi, I might be saying the names wrong, Bella Lugosi, even though he played in many movies himself, is known as Dracula with that uh, Scandinavian accent, I believe it's Scandinavian accent. Those characters stick out. The evil characters stick out more than the hero characters that we wind up watching later, like Batman, and Superman, and stuff like that. You know, we, you kind of wonder when you was growing up, how many people had dolls of evil characters more than superhero characters? I don't know. But I wouldn't be surprised that you have more uh, people with uh, villain characters than hero characters. Maybe not today. My point is, this kid, even though I know he know Jason kills and is not a good person, he idolized, He seemed like he idolized Jason. And uh, my problem with that is not saying that it doesn't happen. Though. How do his parents feel about that? You know, because it, it, be, it can become a crutch and that little person's mind in that little child's mind if they let it keep going on you know and stuff like that because the way things are going now you got to be very watchful of what your child is watching these days because they cling on to things so fast good and so-called good and evil but i'm just talking about the evil so if this young man is caught up the he wasn't even thought of when the first Friday the 13th came out. Listen, he wasn't even thought of when the first Friday the 13th, because he probably was only six years old, five years old, or younger before that. So I wonder what Jason movies did he see or how many that was replayed in his house or what was allowed to play in? How did he wind up so crazy about Jason? What makes him so infatuated about this killer Jason? And this evil Jason. 
See, I don't know. I don't live in a home. I don't know them from nobody. But I just wonder how much of Jason did he see that make him pull and get so infatuated with this character, this evil character. Jason, it don't take much. It don't take much for you to cling and idolize evil. Even though you know these characters are villains and killers, you still idolize them and protect them sometimes. This is just like Satan today. Many people idolize the works of evil, but they will tell you in a minute how much they hate the devil. But they idolize so much evil. Examples, music, movies, sports. Now, I'm just naming out certain things. I'm talking about the evil in some movies or evil that's in a lot of music, not all music, and the evil that's in a lot of sports and entertainment. <clears throat> and the literature and the acts and stuff like that. Many people that listen to this stuff idolize it. They know it's not good, but they idolize it. They, 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 they idolize it so much they ignore the intent of the evil that is playing in their mind and their psyche and in their heart. We all done that. I grew up listening to funk music and stuff like that. I grew up, you know, idolizing that movie, going to music, going to sleep, thinking about that music or a certain movie and stuff like that. And you have to wonder how much of that affected our lives as men and women of God today, believers, as men and women of God took a toll on us and affected us even today of the way we think and what we feel about evil. Hmm. I just wanted to wanted to bring that out there because that was very uh, profound to see that. And there's many children that watch all kind of crazy stuff on videos, a lot of killing, a lot of blood and stuff like that. And they, man, you can see, I, I seen this young man <clears throat> looking at a video and he was all into it. Never minded me and myself when I was struggling with my MDD. No matter Dr. Daydreaming, how I used to get so much into that character that I just, I just blocked the whole world out when I used to get into that character. And my and people used to tell me about my facial expressions and stuff like that. That means I was in that movie. I felt like I was that character. You have kids that's doing that now. So I can imagine this little young man being by himself. He might have a struggle with MDD. MDD means maladaptive daydreaming. That means you caught up in this fantasy world like I used to be and struggle with off and on. And uh, that's something to look into, uh, folks that's listening to me, MDD. I've done a, a study on that, a teaching on that about my life uh, a few podcasts back then, okay? So you have to wonder about that, about that, how much of that had an effect on my life besides the autism and everything else, you know? Because sometimes evil characters stay in your head even when you become an adult, you still will see a certain character that remind you of something and it'll bring that eerie feeling back. So you kind of think about that. Even movies, I, I remember I watched this movie called County Yoga, a Dracula movie. And when he was, he when he got the stake stabbed, when he got stabbed coming down those stairs, and I was little at the drive-in theater on Halster Street in Chicago when I seen County Yoga. Before he died, he screamed and hollered so long that it really bothered me and 
that scream affected me for years. It was that horrific. If I watch that movie now, uh, that phobia of that scream and that holler still has a little effect on me. It don't bother me much, but, you know, I got over it. But it was years that that Dracula, that was the most creepiest Dracula uh, besides Blackula. Remember Blackula, the first Black Dracula movie? That was the most creepiest Dracula, that that dying scene that affected me for years. It really bothered me. I already had struggles with phobia and fantasies and stuff like that, so they really bothered me. Well, anyway, I just wanted to talk about that, how we need to be careful with our kids. We need to watch our children or what they are watching, if you have children. We need to take toll or take a hold of what our kids, you know, watching because it can really take an effect on their life, watching all this evil stuff and worshiping and idolizing a psycho killer or somebody come back. He even, the young man even said, yeah, he, oh, he never died. He, he, he keeps coming from the dead. He always come back from the dead. Now that tells me he know when somebody is dying and come back. That yes, that same little little boy, little kid that I was talking to said that. You know, Jason was his favorite uh, serial killer, so he knew Jason was a killer. And I never heard nobody say they have a favorite serial killer. We all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. They idolize this killer so much to ignore that this is a murderer. This person is, is dangerous. Okay, I, I I wanted to get that out there. This is not what this podcast is about, but I like to tell you stories of real life. Just like I talked about that young man that threw those drugs out and saying I'm tired and tired and stuff like that. I like to let you on on things that I see in a spirit in a Christian lenses and how I look at things. I try to look at it as much as I can in a biblical perspective and a common sense respected so I can bring it to you with real talk, you know, and I just do that sometimes. So once in a while, I will give you a a, a, a real story that happened around the life and everything, you know, uh, that many you might, might understand that. The next time I'm going to talk, tell you about, and I've never brought this up, is I got caught up in a, in a, I don't know if it was a whirlwind of a tornado. And I thought I was going to die, but I'm not going to talk about that now. I was, it pulled two muscles. I had two hamstrings in my legs. And I know I never told you guys about that, but this wasn't not too long ago, quite a few months ago, when they had a big tornado in Illinois. So, 
I'm going to give you the story on that. It was very scary about the grace of God, about the grace of God. Now, what I'm saying, I'm not saying God came through that tornado and pulled me out and saved me. But any time I make it through anything, even walking down the street or even going to the store or waking up that morning, it's still about the grace of God, good and bad. That's why I use that term. See, I'm not saying God done nothing miraculous and pulled me out. People will say that, but I'm not saying that. I'm just saying by the grace of God, I'm still here. Because everything that happens anyway, God is in charge. And by his grace, I'm still here. See, people die sometimes and they don't make it, but that doesn't limit the grace of God. See, that's what I'm talking about. Well, anyway, I'm going to tell you about that story. I'm not thank God that I'm still here, most definitely. All right. Spiritual obesity. Spiritual obesity. I'm going to get right into this. Spiritual obesity. Signs and wonders. Miracles, healing. Signs, wonders, miracles, healing. That's what I've been talking about for the last two shows. It's signs and wonders and miracles for today, for the church today. Does God perform signs and wonders and miracles and healings today? And when he did, why did he perform signs, Miracles and wonders. Remember, I asked that question. I hope you guys start reading your Bible and start studying the Bible and start using those scriptures that I was throwing out there. Hopefully you are doing that. Whoever's listening to my podcast. Uh, and then what was the second question? Remember who? Yes. We know, do you found out the why now? And you also know the who you should know about now. If you've been listening to my last shows. Who was Israel? Who was the Jewish people that he performed those signs and wonders through? Now, what I'm going to talk about now is the Gentiles. Is the Gentiles. God never performed signs and wonders for the Gentiles and through the Gentiles. It was always most, it was always against the Gentiles. Let me say this again. God never showed and used his signs and wonders for the Gentiles. It was always for the Jews to prove that he was God, that he's omnipotent, omnipresent, all-powerful, because they could, they could not see him. Remember, I was saying God is invisible. But who was the per- people on the other side that get the damages, <laughs> it was the Gentiles. So what the Gentiles seen was the wrath of God. They seen the sign and wonders too, but it was not to help them. It was always against them when it came to the nations and the Gentiles. When you read your Bible, he worked through the Jews. His, when he came down with his signs and wonders and certain miracles, when it was a wrath or he was taking out nations, it was Gentile nations. It was Gentile nations. And he worked through what? The Jewish people. See, you that's the, that's the format of the Bible. That's, that's the format of the, of the Bible, okay? You need to understand that. Why God 
Why did he do signs and wonders and miracles? And who did he do it through? Then I talked about Jesus. When Jesus first came to the earth, what he was doing, the same thing. Uh, signs, wonders, healing, raising the dead, etc., and stuff like that. So the same thing. He done it somewhat for the same reason. The show that he was their promised king and messiah that was prophesied hundreds and hundreds of years before through the prophets Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, the uh the major prophets and the uh minor prophets. The minor prophets, you know, like Micah, Habakkuk and those type of prophets like that, they are known as the minor prophets. Uh that prophesied the coming Messiah, the Jewish Messiah, you know, the Jewish king. So when he came on earth, he was performing those things. That's how he was recognized by the little flock. Peter and the 12 and the little flock was by what he done. When Peter made the statement, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He was saying, you are that Christ, meaning anointed one, of course, but you are that promised Messiah that we've been expecting. And on that rock, that's when Jesus said, on what you have said, Peter, son of Jonah." me, the son of John, on what you have said on this rock. This is where I'm going to build my church. What church are you talking about? Not the body of Christ, but the kingdom church. The church, the building of the kingdom of heaven, that promised millennium kingdom, the thousand years, thousand year millennium promised kingdom. See, so when you look at your Bible, that's why it's so important to have the King James Bible. I know I keep saying it, you get tired of me saying that, okay? When you look at your Bible and you rightly divide it, you will see that how God worked when it came to signs, wonders, and miracles through the Jews, through the Old Testament, <clears throat> through the uh, beginning of the New Testament, Israel, starting with the Acts. When he started with the Acts of the Apostles and stuff like that, the disciples was known as Apostles after Pentecost. <laughs> Excuse me, in Acts 2. Now, many churches and many denominations think Acts 2, or they was taught or programmed to believe Acts 2 was the beginning of the church. See, the beginning of the church. Many believers believe that was the beginning of the church. Now, there's many issues with that. Uh, because you say the beginning of the church, you have to say to yourself, what church are you talking about? Beginning of what church? Because when the Bible mentioned the church in the Bible, it was three churches that it mentioned. It mentioned the church in the wilderness, the time of Moses, Moses' time when they was walking through the wilderness. Remember, church only means assembly. So you have that group of assembly. Then you talk about Jesus' messianic kingdom church, which is also assembly. Then you talk about the body of Christ, the mystery church that Paul preached. It's also an assembly. So what church you are talking about when you say the church started in Acts 2? That's the question you need to know and know yourself. What church started, if you believe the church started in Acts 2, what church? The kingdom church, the messianic church, which was under the law, the body of Christ. Is you talking about the body of Christ church? Which Paul is the apostle? Or the wilderness church. Which church are you talking about? Now, the majority of people is not talking about the wilderness church. It has to be between 
the earthly ministry and the disciples, apostles church in the book of Acts church and early Acts 2 going through Matthew, Mark, Luke and John and Acts 2. They got to be talking about that church. So let me let me tell you why I think that's an error. Matter of fact, I know it is. The reason it's an error because remember, how could you say the church? Okay, the day of Pentecost is when the church started. Okay, let me tell you what the day of Pentecost was in a biblical perspective. The day of Pentecost, first of all, is when the Holy Spirit came came down and filled that room of 120. Remember? See, Christ already came on our earth. So that was the beginning of getting them ready for the new covenant, the new testament. After the Hebrews said, after the death of the testator, that's when the new testament thing starts. So Jesus was that after he died, that's when the new testament came into fruition. You know, start beginning. Let me tell you, it's going to come to the fullness of the millennium kingdom. But my point is the church from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, after the death of Christ, is just a continuation of the Messianic church. It's not a new church. It's not a beginning. It's just a continuation. We all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Okay, because in the book of Luke, when Jesus was tucking up in the air, the book of Acts is just a continuation from Luke. Luke wrote the book of Luke and he wrote the book of Acts for the ones that don't know that. He wrote Acts and he wrote Luke. So Acts is just like a continuation, continuation from the book of Luke. So that's why the book of Luke, it shows Jesus ascending and the book of Acts, the beginning of Acts shows Jesus ascending up in the air. Okay. And, but a question was asked in Acts 1 and 1, you know, when you return, are you return? Are you going to set up the kingdom? So I'm just paraphrasing. You go back to Acts 1, you'll know what I'm talking about. Okay. And, uh, <clears throat> matter of fact, Get your pens and pencils ready because we're going through some more scriptures to let the Bible speak for himself. And I have my main marked up Bible that I took. This is my Bible that I do most of my studying in. So it's really marked up and highlighted and stuff like that, which is a good thing. So that tells I use this Bible. I put marks in. I put my own notes in. I think it's very important you to put your own notes in it. Okay. And that's what this Bible is. Okay. 
let's go to uh all right the book of acts three let's go to acts uh one and three to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs being seen of them 40 days and speaking of all things pertaining the kingdom of God and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the father, the promise of the father. Of course, you know who that was. It was the Holy Spirit, the third of the Trinity. Okay. Which said, he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with the water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Now, when the comforter came, that was promised. Jesus told them to wait for the comforter. See, he said, God, I mean, John truly baptized with water. That was all. John never done no signs, miracles, or nothing. John had one duty to do, one calling to introduce the coming of the king, the Messiah, and prepare the Jewish people, get them cleansed through water and everything, and get them, make sure they repent, change their mind, and get them prepared for the coming Messiah. They had to get prepared as becoming priests, the Jewish people. So that was only John's word. That's why he came saying, repent, repent, repent for the remission of sins and be baptized. That's far as John went. But when Jesus, the Holy Spirit came, the fulfillment of the comforter was fulfilled through uh, uh, when a, when Jesus was talking about the coming of the comforter, he was just talking about what was going to happen on that day of Pentecost. And that was fulfilled in the day of Pentecost, Acts 2, see. And, uh, and when he was, the, the, the mask was finally taken off uh Peter and the 12 eyes of what happened to Jesus, because remember God had that hidden from them about the res- his death on the cross and stuff like that. They was blinded to that. It was a mystery to them. When their eyes was finally opened, then they knew that he was the one and more openly they knew uh, about Jesus coming up and setting up the kingdom. They knew about the prophecy of their king coming. They knew they was going to be in a new kingdom. They knew that the new covenant, they knew all that stuff. So that's why they asked Jesus in the book of Acts, are you going to come back and set up the kingdom and stuff? Uh, <clears throat> this. Let's go to verse 6. Let's let the Bible speak. Now, let me go to 4. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem. He said, don't depart from Jerusalem. But wait for the promise of the Father, which said he, you have heard of him. For John truly baptized with the water, but ye shall, you all shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days. In other words, these days are coming up, you shall be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, this is the verse that showed that the Jews knew, at least a little flock knew about the earthly millennium kingdom. Let's read this, Acts 1 and 6. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, they asked Jesus, saying, Lord, would thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? Now, this is them asking Jesus when he come back, because they knew Jesus was coming back. 
They knew that. See, their eyes just opened in. They knew Jesus was going to come back and set up the kingdom. See, but they, they was looking, they wanted to know when this was going to happen. Uh, we know you're going to come back. When you come back, and this is going to be the time you're going to set up the kingdom. When they said that, they said, Lord, without at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel, to Israel. They was still naive. They, they was hoping Jesus was going to set up the kingdom then. But what did Jesus say after that? Verse 7, and he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. It's only for God to know now. See, all that stuff was not revealed to them. See, but I'm not going to teach you that right now. But they tell you that the uh, the little flock, the 12, Peter, James, and John, which was the pillars, the leaders of uh, most of the disciples, they knew the Messiah was going to set up a kingdom. They just didn't know when. So they already was looking for a kingdom on earth. They was never looking to go to heaven. They was always looking for a kingdom on earth. So you must remember that as well. You know, put that in your library. The Jews always looked at for uh, their dwelling place on earth. They never looked at it for the heavens. The only one talked about the heavenly places and in, in the church going to heaven is the Apostle Paul. Why? Because it's another program. Okay. It's another program. All right. Okay. Uh, signs, wonders, and miracles. Now, what I'm going to do now, uh, I'm a, I want you to look at look up a few scriptures. We're going to go to uh, the cease part. When uh, um, the gifts ceased. See, because they did stop. They were, they was, uh, there was going to be, see, they was partial. And I explained that in my last show why they ceased. And one of the reasons why they ceased because they was not needed no more in the new program, the gospel of the grace of God. They wasn't needed that because it's going to the Gentiles now. Signs and wonders and gifts and all that stuff, not the fruits of the spirit. I'm talking about the supernatural gifts, not the fruit of the spirit. Love, peace, joy, and all that, and temperance and stuff like that. That's still in play today. See, those are gifts. I'm not talking about those. I'm talking about the supernatural gifts. See, the, the supernatural, miraculous gifts, like the speaking in different languages, the healing, the word of knowledge. When the Bible talks about knowledge, it's talking about the word of knowledge. Prophecy, prophesying, and stuff like that. Those are the, the, the gifts. That's an issue today in the church. That's debating in the church. Those gifts is what Paul is talking about that will fail and will cease. See? That's why he talked about we know partially. We only know in part and stuff like that. But let's go to Acts, First um, Corinthians. Doo -doo, 13 and 8. First Corinthians 13 We're going to do some Bible turning now. Uh, all this got to do with spiritual obesity. So you got to go through a lot of stuff. Let's go to Acts uh, 13 and 8. Is that right? I want to make sure I'm on the right one. Acts 13 and 8. All right. And what the Acts 13 and 8 reads. All right. Uh, Charity never fails, but whether there, there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, 
they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. And that's the verse I was, I don't know why I couldn't find it. I've read it so many times on my other show. But this is the verse uh, that I was going. Verse, uh, chapter 13 is very important to read, period. Because these are carnal believers. Believers, even though they're believers, they are carnal believers under the body of Christ. And Paul put a lot of emphasis on charity. Remember I said charity means love. And how how more how important is love is than spiritual supernatural gifts because without love the other gifts don't mean anything you know you can operate in those gifts not you and I but back then and operate in those gifts without love it don't mean anything but the part I want you to talk about when he said prophecies they shall fail they shall stop whether there be languages meaning tongues they shall cease they shall stop. Whether there be knowledge, which is word of knowledge, it shall vanish away. Verse 9, for we know in part, we know only partially, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect. We all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday there's only one road into key west but you won't believe where it can take you travel back in time to a city rich with history discover amazing artists and musicians taste seafood fresh off the boat or just kick back and soak up the island vibe for more about key west visit flakeys.com key west close to perfect far from normal is come, then that which is in part shall be done away with. And remember, I explained my opinion, what I think the perfect is. I think the perfect is the fulfillment, the fulfillment of the writings of the Word of God. See, because it's not the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit was already moving through them with the gifts and everything else. It wasn't Jesus. Jesus was already done what he he done already. So you wasn't looking for Jesus to come back. The only time Jesus was coming back to set his foot on our earth is what? The day of the Lord, the second coming of Christ. You understand what I'm saying? When he take care of business and then set up his other kingdom, set up the millennial kingdom. So it wasn't Christ because according to the word of God, the only time Christ is supposed to come back, which is called his second coming, is when he set his foot on the Mount of Olives when he returned. So it wasn't Jesus. Well, Paul said that which is perfect. So it leads many believers and grace believers uh, that help me that it has to be that perfect. That perfect means the fullness of God's word. They didn't have the fullness of God's word. But when that, that which is perfect has come, then those things is not going to be needed anymore. Why? Because this is the word of God is going to be written and fulfilled. You see what I'm saying? And another reason is, <clears throat> listen to it very carefully. Those signs and wonders are not needed in the gospel of the grace of God because it's a whole new another program they are coming into. This is very important to look at this. A whole new another program that they're going into. Now, let me continue reading. 
But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part, that was partially, shall be done away with. Okay? All right, let me continue reading. Now he gives us an example. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Now listen to this. Let me read this again. Then I'm going to break it down the best way I can. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Verse 12. For now we see through a glass darkly. We, it's, we, we don't understand things very clearly. That's what Paul said. He said we. He included himself because this is his early ministry. He wasn't, he didn't get the foreknowledge. You know, he was getting revelations and mystery. That's why they call it the mystery. He was getting hidden messages over 20 something years. I think about second Timothy, he was, he got all the messages from Jesus, but this is way before that. So he only knew certain things. He only understood partially uh, the mystery of Christ. That's what he mean by that. For we now see through a glass darkly, but when face to face, now I know in part, that means I only know so little for now, but then shall I know even as also I am known. And 13 says, and now abided faith, hope, and charity. Charity, which is love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. So, you, you, you read this. When the spiritual gifts was going through them, you got to remember, that was the infancy of the kingdom ministry. See, when, when God gave Peter a hint in Acts 10, when Cornelius and the Holy Spirit came down on them and they wasn't even baptizing water and they stopped speaking in languages, it wasn't for the good for the Gentiles. It was for that Jewish Peter to, and for his, so he could know that this transition that God is now moving in the Gentiles now. That movement of speaking with the Gentiles speaking in tongue didn't continue through their ministry. That was just a sign that it was a transition to know. Because remember, God moved through signs and wonders for in Israel. And that's the only way that he can get the attention of Israel for signs and wonders. And when they seen those Gentiles speaking their language and different things like that, they knew it had to be God. Not because he talked in their ear or nothing like that, but they knew about the signs and wonders he done through them in time past. And then they knew about the Jesus because Peter don't walk with Jesus. They knew that it had to be the Lord. See? You, you see what I'm saying? Now, as you, I like the NFL, y'all, this teacher, I used to listen to a mobile Alabama, he used to always say, look at the camera, here's the picture, take one, and stuff like that. When you look at that picture, from the time, early Acts 2, all the way to Acts, after Acts 8, the conversion of Saul of Tarsus, going into 913 of Acts, the transition takes place. Now, you, you look at this picture right here. I'm going to read some more verses. Uh, look at this picture right here. After all that I've told you in scriptures uh, that I showed you about the why and the who, not so much the when, but the who 
You can find out the when yourself. But the who, why God was doing signs and wonders and miracles. You understood it was Israel and you know why. You ought to know why by now. I ain't got to keep saying that. You, or just keep watching or listen to the tape. You ought to know why by now. You, I also went to Romans 11 and I explained that Israel is blind. Now that, that kingdom program that, that, that was asked in Acts 1, when the disciples asked him, are you going to restore the kingdom now? And he said, it's only for God to know such and such a thing like that. That kingdom was postponed. And Romans 11, 11 explains why it was postponed. It was postponed after the, the third strike, the, uh, the stoning of Stephen in Acts 7. Remember the stoning of Stephen. That's when the Jews scattered. The apostles did not scatter because they know they had a great commission to do. Remember, I mentioned that in the last show. But the rest of all, everybody else scattered the rest of the Jews. Okay. Now, you go through eight and you go through nine, the conversion of Saul of Tarsus. See, when Jesus commissioned Saul and told him he would be going to the Gentiles, that's the first time since the beginning of time, the fall of man, that God will be sending a message to the Gentiles. Now, the message originally that supposedly uh, went to the Gentiles, listen carefully, was the kingdom program. But the disobedience and the stiff-neckedness of the Jews, they never made it out to, they never made it out of Jerusalem. See, they never made it out of Jerusalem. You understand what I'm saying? Not even the 12, which was the leaders, the pillars, what Paul called them the pillars in the book of Galatians. He was talking about Peter, James, and John and all of them. They never made it out of Jerusalem. They, 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 they failed. And the third strike when they stoned Stephen and Jesus was standing, Jesus would have came back, not, not then and there because the tribulation period would have started. Some people say he would have came back then. He, he was going to come back uh, before the seven-year tribulation, because the seven-year tribulation would have to go through fruition first. But anyway, let me digress. So, when you get to Acts 9, and Saul was persecuting the church, what church? The kingdom church, the continuing church from the four gospels all the way through Acts 9 was the same church. It was not, the start of the church was not Acts 2, Okay. That was the continuation of the kingdom church from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, as plainly seen. So it wasn't the start of the church. See, all right, the start of the body of Christ. That's what you need to do. The start of the body of Christ, the formation of it, start beginning in Acts 9. The grace church, the church today. See, now what I was trying to get to when Paul was talking about the season, the season and the stopping of the gifts, since we just talked about signs and wonders and miracles, are they for today? Uh, you ought to know by now, if you are in a program, just say you're in some type of program and you have certain things that you do or committed to or as part of that program and your boss or your boss come and say, okay, this program is going to be stopped for now. Now, when your boss said a program, he talked about everything that's in that program, not pieces that you can pick out. He, he didn't say, this This is a fictional story now. This, it's an allegory, meaning a real story. He did not say, I'm going to take 
this from this program or take that from this program, and I'm going to leave a little of this and leave a that. And that's going to no. know. The whole program was stopped. This program is stopped, period. Not forever. It's going to be restored in a new program in the future. This program is going to be stopped. Okay? I'm going to start another program. Now, what's in the program that's going into the other program? Nothing. The whole program was stopped. My point is, when Jews, when the kingdom program was postponed after the stoning of Stephen, when it was postponed, every program came with it stopped, including what? The law. You, you see what I'm saying? The law stopped. What else stopped in that program? The signs and wonders and miracles. What else stopped in that program? Baptizing and water, sacrifices and all that stuff. You see where I'm going? The whole program was stopped. It was not carried over in Paul's ministry. The whole kingdom Jewish program was postponed after the stoning of Stephen. You understand what I'm saying now? So therefore, whatever was in that program, including the signs and wonders, since that's what we were talking about, was stopped. But it trickled over. It trickled over into the ministries of Paul because most of the gifts was all, most of the signs and wonders and gifts, and remember I said most, not all, was only performed through the apostles. Not every Jew. Some of them, yes, but not every Jew. Most of the signs and the wonders and miracles was performed, most, I didn't say all. Most was performed through the disciples and the apostles. And it trickled over to Apostle Paul because the ministry of the apostle came with gifts, came with supernatural gifts and healings, the apostles. So a lot of the things you heard in the book of Acts was done by the apostles, not so much everybody that was a disciple, but most of it was done by the leaders, the apostles, through the 12 transferring over to Paul. Now, why did I say most? Because remember, Stephen done miracles as well. They was known as doing different type of miracles. The Bible didn't say Stephen was an apostle, apostle or, or whatever, but he'd done some miracles. So that's why I said you had disciples doing miracles under that program. But I'm saying the majority of the the uh, the signs, wonders, the speaking in different languages and everything like that was done through the apostles. That's why they called it the Apostles' Creed. Uh from the kingdom program. So when it came over to Paul, it was still in use, you know, going over and everything through Paul. So Paul, in the beginning, did have those gifts. But later on down the line, what he talked about earlier about is ceasing and stopping, it started fading away. It's like that trickle over, it started fading away because it's another program now. It was not needed in the grace program. You understand what I'm saying? You follow what I'm saying? Okay, let's read some more uh, uh, scriptures. Let's go to Acts 5, uh, 12 to 16. Let's go to Acts 5, 12 to 16. It takes longer when you're trying to get some scriptures because it's very important to let the Bible speak for itself. The Bible can explain itself better. Acts 5, 12 to 16. 5, 12 to 16. I got a lot of notes everywhere, man. I mean, 
I got so many notes, man. I keep them in my Bible. They're just everywhere. And that's a good thing. That is a good thing, but I got to move them out the way because I got a lot of verses and notes from previous studying and stuff like that. You know, my Bible has been used, which is a good thing. Okay, Acts um, 5, 12 to 16 reads, And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. Let's read that again. You got your Bible, Acts 5, 12 to 16. What I was talking about earlier, the majority of the miracles and wonders was done through the apostles. The apostles had the gifts. Okay, 12. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Another important thing you have to understand. This is early Acts, so it's still under the kingdom program. Peter and the Twelve. Those are apostles they're talking about. Now they have Matthias. Because Judas, remember, Judas died and hung himself. He was replaced by Matthias in early Acts. So they got to, they had to have the fulfillment of the 12 before they could move on. That's why they wind up getting Matthias to replace Judas, the son of perdition. Okay, you got to understand that. So the 12 apostles was doing these miracles. But they don't mention too many about Matthew or nothing like that. It's mainly Peter, James, and John. And then you might hear Philip. You know, stuff like that. But I don't think Philip was an apostle anyway. The 12 apostles. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. In other words, the apostles were the main ones doing these gifts and signs, even speaking in different languages and stuff like that. They had the supernatural gifts, see, because they had a great commission to do. They had to go out to the nations, but they never made it out of Jerusalem, okay? Let's go to uh, Acts 6 and 8. All right. Acts 6 and 8. All right. Verse 8 reads, And Stephen, full of faith and power, did what? Here we go again. Great wonders and miracles among the people. Okay, now let's let's let, let's get a little more, you know, meat to this. Let's go to verse seven, and the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. What faith? The Acts two thirty eight. See, believing who Jesus was, the gospel of the kingdom message, the Acts two thirty eight message. They was obedient to that sound doctrine of the Messianic kingdom program. That's very important. That's the faith, not the body of Christ. It wasn't Paul's ministry. Paul's ministry didn't start yet. Okay, now verse 8, And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Nine, then there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Libertines and Cyrenians and Alexandrians, and of them of Cilicia and Asia, disputing with Stephen. Now, I'm not going to read all that, but that's very powerful. In other words, Stephen, who was not an apostle, was doing great signs and wonders. And there's so much in the book of Acts. Acts is a transitional book. It's not a doctrine book. It's a transitional book, okay? I wanted you to read those scriptures and understand uh, 
who the signs and wonders God, the signs and wonders was working through the Jews. Okay, all right, <clears throat> and the unbelievers could not deny what was going on because of the signs and wonders. You can find it in Acts four and sixteen. So, do all have these gifts? Now, remember, I was saying that most of them was the apostles, but did every believer under the kingdom program remember? Did they have all those gifts? Let's see what the Bible has to say about this. Let's go up to 1 Corinthians 12. Did everybody that was saved under the kingdom program have these gifts? Especially all at one time. So let's go to 1 Corinthians 12. How much time I got? Okay, time running short here. 1 Corinthians 12. Okay, a little slower my dream. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 12, starting at 29, and we're going to go to 30. All right. All right. Here's 29. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? No. Have all the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? Answer, no, but covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way and desire. In other words, covet, desire the best gifts. And according to Paul, what was their best gift to have? Charity, love. But before that, he was given an explanation. Everybody didn't have these gifts, especially at one time. Every, contrary to some churches might believe that all believers have this ability. No, they didn't even have that back then. Most of it was performed through the apostles. You see what I'm saying? All right. First Corinthians 12, 29 to 30. Please write that down. Okay. All right. Now, let's give an example of... Uh, a little example of the season of the healing gifts, which many say is going on today. These are just a few scriptures. Let's go to First Timothy, Paul's latest ministry before his martyrdom, when he was older, when it was he was uh, had all the revelations of God and everything like that. So, First and Second Timothy, uh, and uh, we all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday. There's only one road into Key West. But you won't believe where it can take you. Travel back in time to a city rich with history. Discover amazing artists and musicians. Taste seafood fresh off the boat. Or just kick back and soak up the island vibe. For more about Key West, visit flakeys.com. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. Titus is really known as somewhat pastoral letters. 
just like his letters, like Ephesians, Colossians, when he was in prison, they bore mature letters for mature believers. So, so the same as First and Second Timothy and Titus, the book of Titus. So let's go to First uh, Timothy five and twenty three. Okay, First Timothy five and twenty three. All right, and it reads. Drink no longer water, but use a little wine for thy stomach's sake and thine often infirmities. Now, why would Paul tell a sickly person, Timothy, to do that? Why come he just didn't heal him or pray over him? And there's other examples like Epaphroditus and quite a few of them in there that were sick. Paul was pretty sick and banged up himself. How come he didn't heal himself? Because those gifts was not in play no more under the body of Christ, under the mystery program, under the grace program. You follow what I'm saying? See, a lot of these are common sense. See, a lot of this are common sense. Okay. All right. It's it's so many up in here. You know, you go to the how Israel worked, you know, now, signs and wonders coming back. Yes, signs and wonders coming back. You know, going through the tribulation and the setting up of the millennium kingdom. That's also prophesied. You go to the book of Joel, which I read a little bit the other day, and all that. So, signs and wonders in time past was to prove who he was. You should know that by now. Signs and wonders in time past was to prove who he was. To who? The Jews. To Israel. Okay? All right. Now, let's read one more. And then I'm going to stop and I'm going to, you know, end it with that. And then I'm going to break it down. Let's go to Hebrews 2, 1 to 4. Hebrews 2, 1 to 4. Okay? All right. Hebrews 2, 1 to 4. All right. Hebrews 2, 1 to 4. <clears throat> I think I'm doing it right there. Let me write that Hebrews 2. My Hebrews 2. Therefore, let me see. Okay, yes. Let's read this. Hebrews 2. I hope you got your Bible. Please uh, open up the Hebrews 2, 1 and 4. This is very important to see this. Showing that how God confirmed him being who he was and Jesus who he was through this, signs and wonders. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Now, the we you know in the book of Hebrews is for who? Self-explanatory, Hebrews. It's not for the church, the body of Christ, no Gentiles. It's talking to Hebrews. Now, who's the author? I don't know. But we, I don't know about that. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense or of reward, recompense and reward, the King James answer, translates itself, recompense, uh, uh, recompense and reward, a payback, a just payback of reward. How shall we, we Jewish people, escape if we neglect the great salvation which at first began? Now, what salvation is talking about? The kingdom program, okay? Remember that. 
which at first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. Verse 4, God also, this is very important and powerful, God also bearing them witness both with signs and wonders and which divers miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. God, what? God also bearing their witness. And he's talking about the kingdom program. Now, this book of Hebrews is setting up the Jewish people for the millennium reign, the tribulation they have to go through and stuff like that. He's preparing them. So he's giving them, giving them the story of time past about the kingdom. That's what the book of Hebrews is somewhat about. But I want you to think about when this uh, Arthur says, how shall we escape if we neglect a great salvation? See, the kingdom program, not the program today under Paul, which is at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed. The name confirmed, word confirmed is very important unto us, us Jews, by them that heard him. The past, God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders. This was proven through the Jews. God confirmed it. By how did he confirm it? By signs. And wonders and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost. Remember, all those things God did, the prophesied Messiah, Jesus came doing signs and wonders. Before that, what was done through Israel? Signs and wonders to prove what? That God was their king, God was their Messiah. Then when Jesus came, same thing, that Jesus was their Messiah, Jesus was their king, the son of God and God. How did he get the message mostly through these stubborn Jews? Through what? Signs and wonders. This is confirmed by God. Read Hebrews 2, 1 to 4. Read it, okay? Okay, I'm going to stop there. <clears throat> I'm going to get into forgiveness this next time, but I want you to understand. Now, the conclusion that I come up with, okay, the conclusion is signs and wonders are not in play today for the church, the body of Christ. And before I end this series, the body of Christ is the last topic I'm going to talk about. What is the church today and what what is promised to us are there any gifts for us today? Sure, there are gifts for us. Are there any promises and blessings for us? Sure, it is for us. But they're in the future, in the heavenly places. That's the difference. All right? But I wanna wanted you to understand that that's the conclusion. That's why it's no signs and wonders and miracles God is doing today. Now, God can do it. It ain't like he can't do it no more. So don't get wrong on that. It's not like he can't not do it anymore. But you got to understand God done it for a reason through a people, through a nation. You don't have to do that today. This is a whole different program. Without signs, wonders, and miracles, our program is faith alone. Faith alone without signs and wonders and miracles. Faith alone. That's the program that we're under today. That's the church today, the body of Christ, the mystery church. See, the fellowship of the mystery church, the Romans 16 and 25 church, the 1 Corinthians 15, 1 to 4 church, 
We're under the dispensation where everybody's sins has been forgiven, Second Corinthians 5 and 19. We're in a church where God has reconciled himself now because what Jesus done on the cross, Second Corinthians 5 and 19. See, though that's the church that we're under. We're under the church. We're in the church that we live by faith and not by sight. Sight meaning signs and wonders like Israel. This is a whole new different dispensation. Paul uses the word dispensation. Nobody else in the Bible does in the King James. Dispensation. See? Ministration. Stewardship. Program. Management. Those are different ways to... If you don't want to get caught up in the word dispensation, you know, those are what those things mean. It's a new program. It's a new administration. See, it's not the same. The one first one, the uh, the first administration uh, was stopped, was postponed. The kingdom, which was going to go uh, usher in the new covenant, the New Testament. See, was postponed. It will return in ages to come and the future. We're under the mystery program that was never prophesied, that was never known by nobody else. That's why you cannot find it nowhere else but in Paul's letters. You can find nothing about the body of Christ's church nowhere in the Bible. Nowhere. When it talks about the rapture of the church, you cannot find that nowhere but in Paul's letters. Matthew 24 is not the rapture of the church. You can only know about the rapture of the churches, First Corinthians and First Corinthians and First Thessalonians and stuff like that. See, Paul the only one teaches the catching away of the church because what church he's talking about? He's talking about the body of Christ. Matthew twenty four is not. That's the day of the Lord. We've been traditionally believed to believe that Matthew twenty four was talking about the church. One was talking one stayed. No, 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 no. The one was taken was the one was going into damnation. They will have to suffer at the millennium kingdom. They will have to suffer at the great white throne. They will have to suffer and everything like that, you know, through the tribulation period. That is not the rapture. That's the day of the Lord. The day of Christ is the rapture. The day of the Lord is tribulation. You, I hope you got something out of that. Now, the next time I'm going to get, I'm going to just going to brush up on the, uh, the traditional belief of the church being the bride of Christ. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. And you already know, you should know for now about the about the, uh, the body of Christ is not the born again. That's a whole teaching on why Israel is the born again church because they don't want to have to be born again because they fell out of fellowship with God. They are dead now. They will be reborn, rejuvenated. Remember the dead, uh, the dead man bones. Remember, the, I think that's the book of Ezekiel. Uh, we talk about the prophesy and make those bones come alive. That's Israel being rebirthed. They're being born again because Israel was God's first son. That's another story. Jesus is God's begotten. Israel was God's first son spiritually. That's how it's born again. They have to be reborn. They are the born again church will be born again to set up in the millennium kingdom. See, you didn't know that, but you know it now. Okay. So I would be doing a little tough budget, but forgiveness is the next one I'm going to talk about. Forgiveness. And after forgiveness, I'm going to talk about the body of Christ. Then I'm going to break it all in one. 
spiritual obesity. See, all this stuff I'm going through, traditionally, there's so much confusion in the church that don't know nothing about what I'm talking about. And that's why the majority of the church follows the kingdom program, including man-made traditions, which is denominationalism. Why the church is so squatted. It was purposely done by that, by the enemy, Satan, the prince of the power, the heir, the God of this world. So a lot of things you never heard before, but I showed you scriptures and I showed you verses and I hope you wrote them down. There's much more, but there's only so much I can go through. There's much more. You know, the Bible can be so common sense sometimes if we just read it literally. And the only way we can do that, we have to read it objectively. And it's hard to get traditional type of thinking. You can read it and you can see it and still won't believe it. You can read it and see it and know what it's saying and still will not accept it. Even though you ever heard, you can you can believe something is true, but you just don't accept it. Many believers like that now. They know it's true, but they still don't accept it. They put more credence in their denominational, traditional belief. And they know the Bible said the opposite. They just don't accept it. That's unbelief. I'm sorry, that's unbelief. Tell me you believe, you believe all God's word. No, you don't. Anytime you just refuse to accept something that's saying something plainly, like 2 Corinthians 19, that God is not including trespasses against the world, and you still try to go around it and try to use other scriptures and put God's word against himself, or you deny the teachings of Paul, you're in unbelief. A believer that's in unbelief. So you cannot grow. You cannot grow. You're not growing. Until you get that forgiveness. I didn't say you wasn't saved. I didn't say you wasn't going to heaven. I'm just saying you're not growing. You're not too much useful down here when it comes to forgiveness. It's like an arrogance. You got the traditional old Baptist Calvinist type of way in your Pentecostal way in your tradition that you think is something you got to do to be forgiven. No, you don't. You got to do something to be saved, yes, but not forgiven because you've already been forgiven. And the only thing you have to do to be saved is believe. To be forgiven, you ain't got to do nothing. You can't stop sinning. What you going to stop sinning? Your sinning has not been charged against you. How you going to do that? You can't do it anyway. You're in a sinful nature. All this ray comfort and all this type of preaching, talking about you need to be holy and stuff like that. How could somebody tell you you need to stop sinning to be holy when they never even done it themselves in their life? That's a hypocrite. You preaching to the unsaved. You preaching to the unsaved about they need to be holy. They need to stop sinning. So they go away sin conscious all the time thinking about how bad they are because you're not letting them forget their sin or why they feel so bad and run from the church anyway. They already think they feel thin rotten and God don't want to have nothing to do with them. And I agree with Trace so for saying that you throwing all this sin consciousness back at them to the world, telling them how much sinful they are. They need to repent. They need to be holy. You all in the kingdom program, bro. 
you might as well tell them they need to start getting animals and start sacrificing them to cleanse their sins because you're in a program that required that. And that's the kingdom program, not the grace program. And then you got the nerve to say you were saved by faith alone, but there's so much talk about saved by grace and faith alone, but that, 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 that stupid but. You got to do this, you got to do that. I call it the Ray Comfort type of the, uh, the way of the master. And I used to even listen to that, man, but you know, Thank God I know how to rightly divide now that that's not the gospel that Ray Comfort is ministering or Kirk Cameron or John MacArthur, the Lord's salvation people. They're not. They're not ministering the gospel. Are they saved? I don't know. Hopefully they are, but they're not ministering the gospel. That's all I got to say. That's all I got to say. The whole world's uh, sins have been forgiven. They need to know that. That gives them some type of air and breathe since they know God is not charging them for their sins. And it's hard for them to understand that because all they hear from church people about how sinful they are and what they need to do. You putting it all back on them and us. Ain't nothing we can do. There is none righteous. No, not one. There is none righteous. God commended his love toward us while we what? Was yet sinners. Christ died for us. There's nothing you can do to make yourself right with God. You cannot repent. Repent means change your mind. They know that already, but they still add the Kool-Aid of sin with it. They make sure of that. How you going to tell somebody to stop sinning? Like you just turned. If you could stop sinning, if you and I can stop sinning, Jesus died for nothing. Let me say this again. If you and I can stop sinning, we didn't need Jesus to die. Jesus died for nothing. You ever think about that? If me and you can just somewhat repent and stop sinning, and then after we do that, then God would accept us? Don't you know you have a sinful nature? God is forgiving your sin acts. You still go sin. He forgives the acts of sin, not the nature. Sin, forgiveness, and salvation don't come in the same package. Forgiveness and reconciliation don't come in the same package. Forgiveness and justification don't come in the same package. This is the package of forgiveness. Forgiveness equal forgiveness. That's all. Salvation equals reconciliation justification, glorification, redemption, salvation. That's salvation. Forgiveness is not in that nowhere. Forgiveness is something that has to be done first for you to get reconciliation, justification, redemption, and all that. You, you get what I'm saying. And I'm getting into forgiveness on the next show, Lord's Willing. God bless you all. This is Joseph Brownlee. Remember, remember, I keep hitting this on your head. You do not have to be saved first to be forgiven. See? I mean, you don't have to be forgiven first to be saved. You already have been forgiven. Now you have a chance to be saved. Now I might have said that wrong. Salvation. It's not before forgiveness. You have to be forgiven first. Now you can be saved. Yeah, let me say that better. I'm <laughs> getting ahead of myself. Atonement. I talked about atonement. 
It had to be an atonement first for forgiveness. You look at the Old Testament when they had to do the atonement, the sacrifices of Adam, but they had to do that first to get their sins cleansed for a certain time first. And then they was instantly forgiven. They weren't forgiven until they done their atonement. So just put it back on Jesus. Jesus done the whole world atonement first. So when he done it, find that sacrifice, what happened? The whole world of sins were, boom, forgiven instantly. Same thing. Same thing. God bless you all. Till next time, just the Joseph Brownie body of Christ with some more real talk. Love you all. Peace out. Left our baby. <laughs> Bye-bye. We all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday.